I wanted to challenge those traditional stereotypes and show that the women can perform this Turkish male movement just as well as the men can. Hello and welcome to the Tupsikri podcast. We're back in 2023 to bring you more intimate conversations with leading women in dance. If you're new to the podcast, my name is Emily May. I'm a British-born dance writer and critic, and I've been based in Berlin, Germany since 2018. Named after the Greek goddess of dance and chorus, and also an allusion to historian Sally Baines' seminal book on postmodern dance, Terpsichore and Sneakers, Terpsichore celebrates female dancers, choreographers, and bodies in motion by interviewing leading women from the dance industry. For episode 14 of the podcast, I invited Brighton-based dance artist Jada Tank to discuss her life, career, and the artists that have inspired her. After graduating from the University of Roehampton with the BA Dance Studies in 2011, Jada was invited to spend four months at the State Turkish Conservatoire for Music and Folk Dance in Izmir to train in Sebek and Denizli, the styles of her heritage. On her return to the UK, Jada founded her eponymous company in 2012 and started to create a body of contemporary dance work with influences from Turkish folk culture, specifically exploring how the virtuoso movements of male Turkish dancers translate onto female bodies. Now, she's become well-known for her signature style and was even invited by Tamara Rojo to advise on the representation of Turkish folk choreography in English National Ballet's reworking of Raymonda in 2021. Ahead of the premiere of her latest work at Brighton Festival on the 16th of May, I couldn't wait to talk to Jada about her experience training in Izmir, how and why she seeks to subvert gender stereotypes in Turkish folk dance, her current work and her dreams for the future. Well, hi, Cheda. So great to be talking to you today. How are you doing and where are you speaking to us from? I'm great, thank you. I'm speaking to you from my studio in Brighton. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're really excited to be speaking to you. I wanted to start, as we always do at the very beginning, and ask you what some of your first experiences of dance were and how you became interested in the art form. So I think one of my earliest dance memories I must have only been about three or four and I was part of a ballet group and I just have this really clear memory of being backstage at a theatre. I think I was dressed as a puppet and I remember some of the older girls like leading us on and off stage. I just had this really lovely ballet teacher when I was younger called Mr Nice. That's a really like a clear memory that sticks in my mind as one of my first experiences of dance. I was never really one of those kids that found dance at the age of three and dedicated myself to it until all the way through to adulthood. I kind of dipped in and out for a lot of my early years and my teen years. And it wasn't really till I found contemporary dance at an after-school club at secondary school that I was really excited by the art form. And I had this really inspiring teacher called Miss Kemp at my secondary school. And she wasn't a trained dancer or anything, but she just created the most amazing dance department she inspired hundreds and hundreds of kids over the years and we used to have these massive end of year shows that the whole school would come to and it just felt like a really cool thing to be a part of yeah it was kind of that and her introducing me to contemporary that kind of really made my passion grow I guess what kind of contemporary dance were you introduced to can you remember like particular choreographers or styles of contemporary dance she showed you I think I was so young I must have only been about 12 or 13 I don't really remember specific style or technique I just remember just like doing different movements it wasn't ballet it wasn't structured and just it was something in it that I found 
really exciting. After all of that time being exposed to contemporary dance at school and dipping in and out, as you said, when did you realise that it was something you maybe wanted to pursue professionally? I'm not sure if I can actually pinpoint a moment in time where I realised I was going to do it. Growing up and kind of thinking about what was next, next steps, I was really aware of how tough and how competitive the dance industry was. And I kind of thought, is that for me? I was never kind of deluded by my talents compared to my peers. I had some friends that were just really naturally gifted performers and dancers. And I don't think I was ever quite there. Something obviously changed and I decided, you know what, I am going to do this. And I think as soon as I made that decision to kind of study at college and then on at university, I kind of just went in full force and I was like, if I'm going to do this, I am going to make a career out of it. Were you always more attracted towards creation and choreography from the beginning? Or was that something that came later that you realised that, that was the specific direction with dance that you would take? I think it came later. Like I always did it, but again, it wasn't like my thing until I got a bit older. I did always have an interest in creating. And I remember the early days of my training, I did a lot of like improv pieces, which is so kind of far from what I make now. Yeah, I kind of loved directing movement, I guess, and being on the outside with a group of dancers as opposed to always being in it or performing. And that was something, yeah, that really interested me is like the movement direction and having these group of bodies in front of me that I could get to work in different ways. Amazing. So talking about your training, so you, you trained at Roehampton University. What attracted you to Roehampton and that course specifically, or just like highlights of the course in general that stick with you? I think the course at Roehampton really kind of opened my eyes to the whole world of dance. Growing up, I think we get fixated on being a performer and joining a big company and dancing. But I think when I got to Roehampton, I realised there are so many pathways, so many careers and so many opportunities. And they really taught us all of the skills that could take us in any directions. It wasn't obviously a conservatoire, therefore it wasn't strictly performance-based. We did perform and we got to work with some amazing choreographers, but there was also like these teaching routes and choreography and then also the theory side, which I always really enjoyed. So like dance history, world music and dance, dance gender and politics, dance criticism. There's just such a mix of things. And I had always enjoyed, even through my earlier years, always enjoyed the theory side of it as well. So I'm really grateful for that and for the time at Roehampton because some of the lecturers we had were just like top of their field and opened my eyes to all the possibilities that were out there. I also love the theory side of things. And when I was at Laban, I would love in between the practical things, just tuck away in the library. It was like a really nice balance to actually being practical in the studio and then going and reading. I loved writing my dissertation. Yes, I was the same. I really enjoyed my dissertation, which most people dread. And I was like, that was the funnest thing I've ever done. What was it about, if you don't mind me asking? So interestingly, my dissertation was the start of my creation. That's when I first started looking into traditional Turkish folk dance. So I decided to do a part practical dissertation I realized that I had this really strong connection with my Turkish heritage and that side of things and the Turkish culture and then I also had this identity as a dancer but the two worlds had never really crossed and I thought it's crazy I've got these two quite clear identities like I'm definitely Turkish at home we like ate Turkish food listen to Turkish music my first words even were in Turkish and then the other hand I was a dancer in training but yeah I didn't really know anything about traditional Turkish folk dance I'd seen it at weddings and stuff but I was kind of like I need to find out more so I started researching and that's where my dissertation kind of took me I started researching folk dance styles from all around Turkey just by reading and watching YouTube videos in any way I could really just whatever was out there I was trying to like soak it all up and I ended up creating a work 
that was obviously contemporary, but with folk dance, specifically Turkish folk dance, as an influence for my end of year project. Was it mainly on YouTube at that point that you were finding out about these dance forms or were you connected with certain people that gave you information and movement vocabulary? Early on, it was mainly YouTube is where I'd get most of the videos. And then, yeah, like I say, a lot of reading. I do speak Turkish, so that was obviously helpful because it meant I could find articles and books in Turkish and English, which helped. But I had some amazing lecturers at my university, Anne David and Andre Grau, who kind of had these connections with people in Turkey, but I guess folk dance from all over the world. They were so well connected, so they were really helpful in giving me resources and things that I might not have found otherwise. Amazing. Obviously, it's such a, a key part of your identity, and that's why you wanted to look into it. But when you started looking at the dance forms and how they could influence contemporary dance work, what was it that interested you in the movement qualities in these dancers as well? There was something so relaxed and casual about the way the dancers moved. It was like they were just feeling the music in their bodies. It didn't feel like there was set counts or like, you know, a certain height their leg had to be or they just moved. Coming out of like three years of training, it just felt quite different and it felt really interesting and exciting to see people moving in this way. When you did graduate and obviously finished your dissertation and so forth. I know you were invited to spend four months in Turkey at the State Turkish Conservatoire for Music and Folk Dance in Izmir. Can you tell me how that experience came about and why you were interested in specifically, I think you were learning Zeybek and Denizli, which you can also correct my pronunciation. No, you're pretty good. <laughs> how did this come about and what was it like focusing on those stars in particular? During my final year dissertation and during my research, there was a visiting lecturer from the State Turkish Conservatoire music and folk dance that was due to come to spend time at the University of Roehampton and I think he was due to come a bit later and I was getting quite close to the end. My lecturers said to him look there's this girl here doing contemporary dance with Turkish influence I think you should come and meet her and see what she's been working on. So he ended up coming out earlier than planned and we obviously connected there. He spent time at the university and he kind of helped me through and mentored me through the end of the process. He did come in quite late on but it was actually someone who like books and articles I'd been reading in my research and suddenly he was in front of me. He's an incredible dancer, teacher, writer, everything. He's called Mehmet Ojal Özbilgin and he's been a mentor and guide I guess ever since that moment. While he was there he was like look come back to Turkey, come and spend some time, train with us which was obviously an opportunity I just couldn't turn down. It was a time that everyone was applying for MAs and postgraduate programs and stuff and I thought this is an opportunity I really can't miss. Instead of doing an MA I can go and throw myself in at this conservatoire and just learn as much as I possibly can and that's basically what I did. Amazing. And then focusing again on those those styles that you were learning while you were there. Can you tell us a little bit about the key elements of those styles for people who might not have seen them before? So Zabek was actually created by warriors who wanted to simulate the movement of eagles and hawks. It's really apparent as these big, strong, almost V-shaped arms that are very bird-like. With all of Turkish folk dance, but I guess as I'm learning more and more about folk dance, it, there's so many crossovers from all across the world with like migration 
globalization and just other influences coming in there are these really clear gender roles in every style of turkish folk dance from every region the female movement is really different to the male movement and that's something i found really interesting in the training there it was very mixed it was pretty much 50-50 whereas in my training we only had a handful of boys in our year and you learned the styles all together so the class would all be mixed gender you'd all learn the female role then you'd all learn the male role but as soon as it came to being put on stage or going out into the community and being performed it was the women doing the women role the men doing the men and there was no real crossover which I found quite interesting because I, I get that it is, you know, an ancient dance that's been around for hundreds of years, but at the same time, it's like, have we not moved on from that a little bit? So that was something I found really interesting. To describe the movement, the female movement is very stereotypically feminine. It's lots of on relevé, it's pretty hand gestures, it's nice and upright with the body and poised. And then the male movement is a lot bigger and bolder and strong. It's leaps and jumps and spins to the floor. There is this real contrast. And they all perform on stage together, but there's a real divide between the two roles. Do you end up playing with that in your work as well? The gendered nature of the movement in Turkish folk dance. I want to come to that a tiny bit later. You were talking about going out into the community and, and performing when you were in Turkey. I was wondering why you were there or just from your research as well, if you know much about the status of dance in Turkey as a country, because from a UK perspective, obviously we've just come out of the pandemic as well and there's been not very nice things said about dance or about the importance or value or worth. Also just generally growing up, I'm sure you had the same, like telling people you're going off to study dance. They're like, oh, what, what are you doing that for? You know, what's this like in comparison in Turkey? How is dance as an art form perceived in the country? I think dance in Turkey, it holds real value. I think that's a huge difference as well. It's something that is just always around growing up. You do it from primary school all the way through your education. It's just part of the, I guess, curriculum, almost like we would have PE or something. Folk dance is huge. You go to a wedding and everybody gets up and dances and they know the same dances. It's doesn't matter of age, gender, ability. It's such a community-driven thing. It's just something that everyone knows. It's part of the culture. I feel like in England and maybe other Western cultures, we have this thing of like, oh no, I can't, I can't dance. I'm not a dancer. And people don't want to get on the dance floor, but there's just no such thing there. Everyone dances, everyone can dance. They all get up, they all dance together. It's a really amazing thing to be a part of. Like if you ever go to a Turkish wedding, it's incredible. It's so powerful seeing hundreds of people up doing the same dance. It's amazing. While you were there studying at the conservatoire, you also taught contemporary dance to degree students and news companies and teachers as well. What was this kind of exchange like? Did they already have some knowledge of contemporary dance? And did that process of teaching and exchanging with people who were primarily learning these folk dances did that inform your work going forward as well it was really interesting working with them it was a very different style for them I think they'd done bits of contemporary dance and they did used to do ballet classes as well as part of their training but they hadn't really like thrown themselves across the floor or danced barefoot before and all those kind of I guess really simple things that we do every day as contemporary dancers it was definitely an exchange I think I got to teach them a lot but equally they taught me so much it was just great to have this open space where we would learn from each other. When you came back from Turkey, was it soon after that you founded your dance company? Yeah, it was 
pretty much straight away, to be honest. I think it was whilst I was in Turkey, I started thinking the more I learned and the more I kind of deepened my knowledge and understanding of this dance style, I was like, this could really enrich my contemporary practice. This could really enrich just contemporary choreography in general. There was something so organic and natural and I guess community led. It was so wonderful and it was so joyous that I was like, I need to bring this back to the UK and I need to start using it in my work. I think it was within a matter of months, to be honest. I got a group of my friends together from training and was like, anyone want to start dancing again? Let's get in the studio and just make something. It was pretty soon after. I think I knew when I was there. What was the first piece you worked on? What was that first thing that you started working on when you got everyone together? So the first piece I made was called Cartel. That means eagle. It was basically just taking that idea that I spoke about earlier of the movement being inspired by eagles and hawks. And it was just a real simple narrative inspiration. It wasn't really a narrative, just a really simple kind of starting point to create movement in this style. So it was very much inspired by Zabek dance specifically, that piece. I mean, since then I've been inspired by other folk dance styles as well, but that one was very much a tribute to Zabek, I suppose. Since then, I believe what we were talking about earlier with the gender roles in Turkish folk dance, like a big part of your practice and direction has been getting female dancers to perform the male roles as part of your contemporary dance works. Not roles, but the movement style and their movements. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you subvert them and and why when I was in Turkey we learned everything and to me it was the male movement that really interested me and excited me and I really enjoyed performing it yeah I thought this needs to be on female bodies like why not I straight away decided I wanted like an all-female company performing movement that is stereotypically masculine kind of seeing how that movement would sit on a female contemporary dancer's body I guess it's something I always did but weirdly didn't really scream and shout about and I'm not really sure why but it wasn't till quite late on in my career where I was having a mentoring session with Yael Flexer and she was like I've never heard you talk or write about the fact that you use the male movement on your female company but it's really important and I was like oh yeah you're right it is really important but I hadn't ever put it front and center and I'm not really sure why I didn't it was just something that was always in the background it inspired me and I just made work in that way I always had and since that conversation with her I was like that's the identity really of the company so now it's always been a part of the works it's part of kind of every single piece I make and I now do have that in like any publicity or anything that is front and center of the description I guess of the works. When you were choosing to put the male movements on the female bodies and work with an all-female company was it purely from an interest in exploring that movement wise and just compositionally or was there for you some kind of like feminist background to it as well? I do think that was a bit of my feminist side shouting out. It's about challenging those traditional gender stereotypes. I think we still see it so much even in things like ballet there's such clear gender roles and I think the movement is always very stereotypical there's something in it where I just felt like I wanted to challenge those traditional stereotypes and show that the women can perform this Turkish male movement just as well as the men can. Bouncing off that do you have other examples of themes that come through in your works? So it's been a real range of themes over the years I never have like a really really strong narrative and I don't like to ever feed the audience 
too much information. I really want it to feel accessible and for the audience to be able to take as much or as little as they want from the programme notes. I try to always keep my programme notes to literally a couple of sentences. I don't want to have some big, deep narrative to it all. But I think an overriding theme throughout all the works is a sense of ritual and ceremonies as well as this idea of community folk dance obviously wasn't created to be performed on a stage it was created by communities it was always meant to be in rural settings i guess and performed at weddings and ceremonies and street parties it's now obviously come on from there and people do put it on a stage with lights and music and costumes but that was never I guess its initial intention and that really interests me as well as how it's got this real community feel like a lot of the Turkish dance is performed in circles which I think isn't something we do a lot in contemporary as soon as you put a group of dancers in a circle and they're looking at each other it just automatically shifts and you have this sense sense of community and they're working together and they are working as one. Have you performed in more rural settings? We've done quite a lot of outdoor work. I created a piece, an intergenerational piece, which I think probably had the most community feel about it. That was performed outside in several locations. And we worked with Three Score Dance Company, which is over 60 company based in Brighton, my professional company and my youth company. So we had a cast of about 30 dancers aged 12 all the way up to probably 85. It was an amazing kind of big ensemble piece. We created choreography as we would on the professional company. So the youth company and three score all just stepped up, learned this kind of professional level rep and we worked together to create a mass piece which had a real sense of community. It was a really, really interesting project and really nice piece to perform, especially as it was performed outside on so many occasions in different locations. Talking about community and also your youth company, I wanted to quickly touch on your multi-art studio space in Brighton, which I know is home to all of your strands. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to set up this space? Was it to create this sense of community as well in Brighton where you're based and also why you wanted to create your educational programs around it based out of there when I first came back to Brighton so after I'd graduated and I'd spent time in Turkey I came back to Brighton it really felt like there was a lack of opportunities for young people and like I said when I was growing up there was so many opportunities here I was part of several youth companies and obviously had a really strong dance department at my school but I kind of just noticed that there was a bit of a gap in the market for contemporary dance so I just contacted one of the local dance schools here and connected with an amazing woman called Wendy Watley who took a chance on me we didn't know each other very well at the time but she was like yeah come and teach some contemporary classes here set up your youth company here and it started from that and it just kind of grew and grew to the point where I knew eventually I would like to open my own space and have somewhere that is solely dedicated to contemporary dance I didn't think it would happen quite as young as it did I basically just took a risk my father's really hot on the property scene and what's coming up and he found this old church hall and was like you've got to come and see it and I was thinking oh it's not the right time like I didn't feel financially ready but as soon as I saw it I was like I've got to somehow make this work because it was an amazing space and the other thing is I think I'd always labeled myself a Brighton-based company 
But to be totally honest, none of the work we made was made in Brighton because there wasn't the space for it. So we'd be rehearsing in London and Kent and Eastleigh and Chichester, always travelling around to create the works, but never actually being based in Brighton. Yeah, it was an opportunity for my professional company to have a bit of a home and somewhere to work from. Also for all the other amazing choreographers that are based in Brighton, but again, like me, were having to travel to work and create work elsewhere. So I kind of knew that it was needed. There was definitely room for a big space for people to create in the day. And then we just decided to put on classes in the evening. We kind of run classes from age five all the way up through to complete beginners and adults. It kind of, yeah, just happened quite quickly, but there was space for it to happen and a bit of a need and obviously a little bit of an appetite for it in Brighton. Amazing. I love the supportive dad story. (laughs) Always. (laughs) You were talking about the classes you run in the evenings for beginners or people with some more experience as well. Are they mainly contemporary classes or do you also share and teach Turkish folk dance? Most of the teachers that teach the classes are dancers in my company or have worked with me in some aspect so it's kind of always a running thread that it is contemporary dance with influence of folk dance we often use world music in classes and play with the rhythms and the footwork and stuff that's found in folk dance and I think it makes for a really interesting and quite different class there's obviously loads of contemporary classes out there and I think it differentiates between us and others students seem to really enjoy having that other influence as well there since you've been creating work inspired by turkish folk dance when you first started performing it or teaching it to students what has the reception been like as you've talked to people shown your work did many people know about turkish folk dance before or has there been many people in the uk doing this what kind of feedback have you received as you've shared your work I've been really lucky. The feedback on the whole has been really good and it seems to be quite well received by audiences in the UK. I don't think many people had much of a knowledge of Turkish folk dance beforehand. I mean, I certainly didn't and I'm half Turkish, so I don't really expect other people to have either. Often after shows, I get people coming up to me, audience members being like, oh, the music really took me back to a holiday I had in Turkey a few years ago, whatever it is. People make connections elsewhere. There's always those elements and other inspirations that people take from and connect with in some way or another. On the other side of that, I know you've toured your work in Turkey before as well. What was the reaction like there or the reception? in contrast to the UK. We actually ended up touring twice in Turkey. I think it was 2014 and 2017. It was something I was a bit apprehensive about doing. I kind of felt like, oh, are they going to think like, who are you to take our dance style and mess with it? Like, yeah, I was really apprehensive. And I remember getting in the studio when we first went with the dancers and being like, right, which bits do I need to change? What do I need to make more Turkish? What do I need to make less Turkish? And then in the end, I didn't really. I kind of left it as it was and just went for it. Again, it was really well received. I felt really relieved that it was well received and that people weren't offended by me taking their ancient dance style and changing it all up. But again, I think I wonder where, you know, it's contemporary dance with influence. I wonder how much Turkish they even saw in it or whether they just enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, maybe just felt like something completely new that they hadn't seen before. Coming back to the UK, your upcoming work, Kizla, is going to premiere in Brighton as part of Brighton Festival in May. I was wondering if you could tell us about this piece and the 
inspirations behind it or what people can expect from your new work? So Kuzla is a celebration of what it means to be female. So we're looking at femininity and masculinity, strength and vulnerability. I've gone back to my roots of just creating a really aesthetically driven dance piece. It's going to be highly visual and just hopefully a big celebration. I think my last few subject matters have been a little bit deeper and coming out of the last few years that we've all had. I just wanted something light and fun and really accessible that hopefully anyone from any walk of life can come and watch and enjoy and take something from. I already heard you speaking a little bit on a video on the Brighton Festival website about the music and I believe you've collaborated with someone on that. Could you maybe tell us about what to expect from Kisla's music as well or maybe how this relates to how you use music in your broader practice as well? I've collaborated on quite a few works with a composer called Alex McCall. He's great. Like We work together and just constantly kind of send each other inspirations. The last few works we've made have been, I guess, a little bit more traditional in terms of music inspiration. So I sent him a lot of Turkish music that I like or even just Turkish instruments. He works with those and modernises them, I guess, in the same way as the choreography being contemporary with Turkish influence. The music is the same. We just work together and end up coming to a kind of mutual place. But for this piece, we've worked together quite a while now and he was quite keen to take a bit more of the lead in some of it and create stuff more in his usual style. So I think this one, although we've definitely still got some of the Turkish instruments like the ney, we've got some Turkish vocals in there, it's definitely more modern than my other previous works which I think is quite exciting and I think it's going to be fun to have something a little bit different this time. Do you think that that's a direction you want to go into increasingly in the future or just for this piece or we'll see what the future holds? We'll see I guess. Yeah again like I say I always want that Turkish thread there but I think same with the choreography really I feel like it's got to a place now where it's so embedded in the work I make that even if I tried to shy away from it, it's always going to be there. So I think I'm in a place now where I don't have to maybe think about it so much like, oh, let's put this Turkish bit in here or let's rework this Turkish folk dance I've found. It is just part of the vocabulary. I think it's quite recognisable now. Same with the music, I guess. There's always going to be an element there however much I try and move away from it. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I think it really works. I love what we do and I love how we collaborate with other artists. So we're in a good place. Talking of it being really embedded in you now, that's obviously getting recognised by other people too. And you've been invited to work on other projects to help advise on Turkish folk choreography. I'm thinking particularly of working with EMB with the then artistic director Tamara Rojo on Turkish folk choreography in Raymonda, which is amazing. I didn't realize you'd done that until I was doing my research, which is an amazing project. Can you tell us about how that came about and what it was like working on the large scale ballet production? Yeah, that was obviously an amazing opportunity. I mean, it's not every day that you ask to have a phone call with Tamara. And I was a bit shocked, to be honest. I thought, how does she even know who I am? She basically was choreographing her first full length ballet on the company. And there was a Turkish character in the piece. And she wanted just more of an understanding, I guess, of Turkish dance and how she might be able to then fit that into this character's role. So she invited me and my rehearsal director, Gemma Shrub, to come and spend a week with the whole company. So even though this was a solo, she was really keen for the full cast to immerse themselves 
into Turkish folk dance, learn as much as they could. So they all kind of had a bit of ownership, I guess, over the style. So we spent a week with the full cast and kind of just did as much as we could, taught a range of different folk dance, introduced them to lots of Turkish music. And then towards the end of that week, she asked us to come and have a little look at the solo she'd created. It's just a two minute solo as part of the work and basically advice. But to be honest, it was an amazing solo already. It was simply being like, why don't you try turning the arms in like this? Or could you make that turn take you off the ground? I guess like little tweaks to make it feel even more authentic. But she was great. She'd really taken from what we'd taught throughout the week and put it onto this solo. So you've worked with EMB a few times. Was that your first contact with the company or had you worked with them before then? I'd done some kind of workshops one summer, but that was the first proper contact with the actual main company. From then, we kind of started this working relationship and Tamara was always really supportive of me and my work and a really lovely woman who's so supportive of us. You created a piece for the Emerging Dancer competition that MB do last year, right? And then they're also supporting Kizla. I got invited back to create a duet as part of Emerging Dancer, which was an amazing opportunity because it was very different to anything I'd ever done. Like these dancers are so highly, highly skilled in their dance style and in their art form. It was just a really different way of working for both myself and the dancers. And I obviously was really aware that I needed to make a work that was very much my style and could still be recognised as my work, but without shying away from their capabilities and what they did. Because at the end of the day, it was a competition for the dancers and I had to showcase them as dancers. We worked together over the space of a few months. They were so open-minded, took on everything. You just never know, do you, when you go into those situations, how they're going to take this dance style that's really grounded and really different to what they do every day. They were just both fantastic and threw themselves in and worked really, really hard to get to this final piece. We've talked a lot about what you've achieved today and you've achieved so much and done so many amazing things. But I wanted to now look a little bit forward and ask you if you've got any particular ambitions for the future, either in the short term, like very concrete things that you want to do or in the long term, like big dreams. I'm really keen to take my current company of dancers back to Turkey. That's something we haven't done for a while. And I guess with COVID and everything, we weren't really able to for a while. So I want to take them back to tour Kuzla in Turkey, but also for them to train. We're so fortunate that our contacts at the Conservatoire often let us come back and just spend a week immersing ourselves in the style again. It's just really inspiring for all of us and it's so good for the dancers to learn the style firsthand as opposed to always learning it through me Um, because it's kind of, yeah, secondhand knowledge by the time it's passed through me. So yeah, that's something I'm really keen on doing. I want to take the work to new non-dance venues. That would be the goal. I keep seeing really cool places and I'm out and about like galleries and warehouses. I mean, I don't know how feasible that is start performing the work in exciting new venues that maybe haven't had to dance before and my absolute dream I mean maybe I shouldn't say it because it might not happen but one day I would love to choreograph on National Youth Dance Company I've had so many of my youth dancers currently and all through the years that are also part of National Youth Dance Company so I'm always seeing them there's just something about firstly working with young dancers their untrained bodies and minds are just so inspiring they create in such a different way but also something about that large group and the mass dance that I feel like my work lends itself to big scale big groups which obviously isn't possible all the time 
but they're a company that I would yeah one day absolutely love to work with how many people did they have in the company each year it's like 30 or I think it's like 30 to 40 amazing well we'll manifest it I would also love to see some site specific work I think that would look amazing Jada it's been so great to talk to you I've got one more question as this is the Top Secret podcast and we focus on interviewing leading women from the dance industry we always ask people if you could meet and talk to one female dance practitioner from history who it would be and why and maybe what would you ask them that is a difficult question but it might seem really obvious but I think it would have to be Pina Bausch there's something about her work that is so striking and something about how she uses the female bodies and the female performers that I find really interesting and I'm not even sure if I'd ask her anything I'd probably just want to sit in on a rehearsal and watch her in creation because I think no one does it quite like her to be honest well thank you so much it's been so great to talk to you and uh, have a lovely rest of your evening thank you so much for having me I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Terpsichore podcast with the amazing Jada Tank. If you would like to find out more about Jada's work, you can follow her on Instagram at Jada Tank Dance or check out her website at www.jadatankdance.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and leave us a rating and review as it helps other people find us. You can also follow the Terpsichore podcast on Instagram at Terpsichore underscore podcast or Twitter at terpsichore underscore pod. Thanks so much again for listening to the Terpsichore podcast with me, Emily May.